Welcome to the Power Done Differently podcast. I'm Cassandra Ray, and if, like me, you've grown a little disappointed and disillusioned with the people in power, you're in the right place. Okay, so this week, I felt like I had to do something a little bit different, and it's probably something you'll see more from me from time to time. It feels like the entire world, whether or not they actually saw the Oprah interview, is talking about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, full disclosure, I am not one for royalty or celebrity gossip. I don't read the tabloids. I couldn't give a fuck. But in watching and hearing the commentary over the last few days, I couldn't help but feel like if we're interested in exploring what power looks like, what it looks like when it goes wrong, and how we can do better at promoting power that is more inclusive, well, this is a supremely teachable moment. And so to help me unpack this whole crazy saga and what we might be able to learn from it, I've invited back one of your favorite guests and one of my favorite people, (laughs) the lovely Rachel Amesbury. Rachel, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me back. So Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk with you about it specifically, A, because I thought you're funny and you'll bring some much needed lightheartedness (laughs) to this conversation. But also because, you know, as you know, I'm American, lived in London for quite a bit, and you're British, but have had lived in the States. And I just can't help but feel like some mm-hmm. of what's going on here, not all of it, but some of it is just a straight up lost in translation. Which parts do you think have been lost in translation? Well, like I keep seeing more comments on Facebook yeah. from, let's say, like our parents' generation who are like, she will have known what she was getting into. Yeah. Why would she join the royal family if she wasn't willing to sign up to the rules? And I'm kind of like, but did she? I mean, can you really know? Like, if it's really not part of your culture, yeah. can you really know what you're getting into? I, d- I don't think you ever do, do you? But in any relationship, I mean, you're, you fall in love with that person. You don't necessarily fall in love with their, their family. And yes, I know that that sounds ridiculous, being that it's the royal family. But I think she, to me, genuinely seems like she bought into Prince Harry and then, you know, had to enter this crazy royal life. And obviously, (laughs) shit went down. And now she's talking about it openly. Everyone's losing their fucking minds. A few of my Facebook friends have, (laughs) not for much longer, friends have written things along those lines. And I'm like, what do you know? Seriously. This is my main thing that I feel about this whole situation Mm -hmm. is that nobody fucking knows except for the people who were in the room at the time. And yet it's hard not to see some just blatant as like old as history misogyny going on. But what I really object to is this idea that somehow a grown man is infantile and can't make decisions for himself. And whatever decisions, you know, are made, it's like, well, yeah, it was obviously all Megan. You know, it's like Adam and Eve all over mm-hmm. again. You know, like it's that's, that's what it feels like. It feels like the world is painting her as Eve. Yeah. And she gave him an apple and showed him what life could be like yeah. outside of the Garden of Eden. 
And he would have been so happy had he never known. I mean, it's exactly the same fucking story. Here we are in 2021, Mm -hmm. still reliving Adam and Eve, and she's the temptress. And he was just, you know, none the wiser and perfectly content in the Garden of Eden. And it's so fucked up. Yeah. No. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, you're completely right. You know, somebody I know who's quite close to me called her a jumped up wannabe princess. And (laughs) yeah, Um, not naming anyone. Um, But it's just like, do you, A, do you know how racist that sounds? Um, And yeah, sounds very racist. Incredibly. And I just, what is. Why is she jumped up? Because she spoke her mind? Because she's lifting the lid? Because she mm. wants to say those things out loud? And is again, like, who are they to say? Um, but I guess then the other side of it is, has she, you know, she's invited opinion. They've invited opinion by mm. talking about this so publicly. But it does need to be talked about publicly. They're public figures. She is a public figure, whether people like it or not. And she has every right to um, tell her story. This is what I think is also weird. I mean, and by the way, like I'm not, you know, I I come at this genuinely, I don't know, right? I don't know her. I don't know how, what, if she's a lovely human being or not, you know, but, um, but she was a public figure before, before she met Prince Harry. And so it's also strange to me because one of the things I've heard over and over and over again as well, if they wanted to live a private life, <laughs> why are they giving an interview? And I mean, I might've missed the memo. It's totally possible because I do not follow royal gossip, but I don't think they ever said they wanted to live a private life. I don't think they ever said like, we never want to give another media interview. I think they basically said, we're tired of the racist media. Yeah, We'd like to maybe remove ourselves a little bit from that. But I mean, they're launching a media company. So it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense to me that they knew they were going to have to do interviews in future because they are launching a company about which there's going to be press and there will need to be press yeah. in order for it to be successful. And it makes sense that they would say, okay, well, let's let's try to do an interview and get it all out in the open before that whole thing happens. And I don't think they've ever said anything that said that like, oh, they wanted to live a totally private life in some island where they never saw anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think if they hadn't have done this interview, it would have come out in drips and drabs and that's not what they want. That's not what anyone wants when there's kind of Mm. things like this happening around them. You want to get it all off your chest so that you can move on and deal with the fallout. I think that's quite mature and brave as well. It's just, for me, it's just the willingness to share opinions about about particularly about her about her background about the race about obviously um her mental health um Mm. and we haven't touched on the elephant in the room the elephant of a man Piers Morgan he's just an elephant not the elephant in the room yeah may I tell you what I thought was the most telling and teachable, again, if I can use that word again, thing that Piers Morgan said, I wouldn't believe her if she read the weather report. Yeah. To me, that's like, well, you've already made up your mind. And that's where we all have to ask ourselves, 
if we don't believe her, why don't we believe her? Is it because everybody's told us she's not believable? Is it because we just look at her and say, I just don't like her. Mm. I just, I can't put my finger on Mm. it, but I just don't like her. And I feel like as, you know, somebody who interviews and respects and wants to learn from women in positions of power, they get that a lot. Yeah. Right? A lot. I don't really know why, yeah. but I just, something about it. She's her. just a bit, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she wants the limelight or yeah. she seems to always want yeah, to be in charge. Yeah, kind of like, what we're, yeah, trying to teach. Uh, yeah. But okay. <laughs> Can you make yourself a little bit smaller? Shine, but not too much. <laughs> shine, but not too brightly. Yeah, shine dimly, please. Shine, shine dimly. <laughs> Shine bright dimly. That's that popular song <laughs> by Sia. It's exactly that. Yeah. In a, it's, a, it's exactly that. It's tall, it'll, yeah, tall poppy syndrome. Um, Wait, what's, I've never heard this expression. Oh, tall God, poppy now syndrome, I've said it, I'm that? going to have to properly explain it and I'm going to get this completely wrong and it's going to be like one of those <laughs> moments where you get 50 people writing in. She has no idea. Tall poppy syndrome <laughs> is... When somebody starts to grow and shine and sparkle like Meghan Markle, like how I did that, and <laughs> people have to cut her down. It's like, oh, we love her. Mm. Oh, but not now. No, no. Yes. Kind of a stay in your lane. Yes. So yeah. I was having a conversation with somebody who is, how do I, how do I want to put this? Um <laughs> much more connected <laughs> to British aristocracy right. than I will ever be. Um, nice man, lovely man. And he was making the comparisons between Megan and Kate and saying, look, you know, Kate has had some mental health issues and has, you know, gotten treatment for them. And, you know, she's been incredibly supportive in the family. And I said, well, again, you know, as an outsider who doesn't know much, like it, seems to me mm. Kate is the kind of person who is never going to rock the boat, who is never going to speak out against anybody, who is never going to have an opinion of her own, who, you know, is always going to quote unquote, stay in her lane, mm-hmm. never shine more brightly than her husband, always know her place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think that the little I've seen of Meghan Markle, like I don't think that that would, those words would be used to describe her. She's just, that's not her character, right? No. And, and he said, well, yeah, but that's just the deal with being in the royal family. And my response was, if that's the deal, then this is a fucking misogynist institution. Like it needs to evolve. Yeah, it feels, I, I think the main reason why she's speaking out and why Harry is as well, because it is history repeating itself with Diana. Um, and supposedly lessons were learned then and the monarchy was changing and adapting apparently but was was it really no and and now i see on mm. the news they're talking about how archie isn't a prince and what what will have to happen for him to be a prince and all of this bullshit and it's just it all comes back to this male bullshit and yeah, it needs to change. I, I come at this so humbly 
because I'm not British. And so I totally accept the fact that there's like a cultural attachment to the royal family that is felt not by everybody here, but by a lot of people Mm -hmm. here that I probably will never understand as deeply as people feel it this way. But like, there's a part of me that could see a lot more value in the queen and the royal family a little bit more if just every so often she would put her thumb on the scale. So for example, I feel like there was a huge misopportunity. This is my point of view. I would be very interested in hearing if, if I'm totally off on this. But look, I mean, if you have two eyes and you can read, you know that the coverage, a lot of the coverage of Meghan Markle was incredibly racist. Mm. I mean, incredibly racist. It, these were not, these were way more than dog whistles, right? I mean, they were dog hollers. Mm. And I think that that could have been a moment for the royal family to come out and say, look, this is what racism looks like in 2021. It's, you know, yeah. or, or 2020, like, and, and we have to do better and we're going to call this out. That was, that, that would have been an incredible opportunity, I would have thought to yeah you're right move the country towards the right values yeah. and and put a mirror up and say because i think a lot of people think that you know racism is calling somebody the n word or you know something that overt and maybe don't have an understanding of what it really really looks like on a day-to-day basis and they could yeah. have been a part of teaching and they weren't. And I don't know if they weren't because they just don't want to get into something that seems political because they didn't seem to mind doing everything they could to quash the stories about Andrew. Yeah. Where's that gone? Hey, Queenie. Where's that Where's gone? that gone? I mean, because I'm sorry, but I d- talk about not believing. I don't believe in a million years that that photograph isn't real. Oh, God, no. Yeah. The one with... I mean, it's obviously real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have like Fergie who tried to sell access to Prince Andrew on tape. (laughs) And it's like, and we're worried about, I don't know, you know, a woman who just wants to speak her mind. That's the threat to the monarchy. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Oh, you think we're toxic? (laughs) Well... We'll show you toxic. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so like, okay. Anyway, that's like, I probably went too far down the rabbit hole of let's diagnose the problem with the royal family. And I'm more interested in how we, uh, collective we, Americans, Brits, as a society can learn from this. Like, I don't want us to only learn and get better from racism when someone dies. Not yeah. only when the worst thing happens, but we need to learn about it when it's right in front of us in big ways and small. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Um, and that's it, isn't it? The royal, these, I guess you would call them, I mean, asking what color your baby is going to be is not a microaggression. Yeah. And by the way, the number of white people that I've seen on social media and I've had conversations with, but that's not really racist, is it? I mean, it's kind of. Maybe it was just like curiosity, like what colors? <laughs> I was like, come on, like use your common sense. Yeah, it, it's just, 
I, yeah, it, it, they're microaggressions. They're things that, yeah, you might not, unless you've read a lot of books on uh, how to be an anti-racist, which um, a lot of us tried to do last year. I've got a lot of reading that I still need to do. But if the royal family were reading those books, then perhaps they would have some idea of the things that were appropriate and not appropriate. And they're not the same as 19... 19- 50 and, and I, I just think some awareness mm. and like you said I know exactly what you mean by saying <laughs> the thumb on the scale the queen has so many opportunities and has had throughout history so many opportunities to speak up and to change the rhetoric but doesn't because of this anti-political stance um but it would be great it would be great and it's such a good PR opportunity as well like instead of just saying mm. we acknowledge the accusations and we take them very seriously, I actually make a comment about it and actually, uh, mm. you know, start a conversation. Because you're right, um, we do need to be talking about racism um, at, in these kind of, I guess, you. this is the thing, I don't want to say it's less serious because you don't, you just don't know how toxic and um, how toxic an environment mm. it was. Um, so, yeah, mm. they've got a lot of work to do. I had a lot of, I mean, I did watch the the interview because I just, I felt like, even though I don't normally follow stuff with, you know, in the royal family, I just felt that this was one of those moments in cultural history that you, you know, need to try to understand yeah. if, you, if you can. And I just had so much empathy for their concern over particularly their son's life. You know, I mean, they did say, and and I have no reason to not believe, I don't think anybody has a reason to not believe the threat assessment had, um, had been increased, you know, essentially since they got married or right before and, and had been increasing and the number of racist threats they would get and death threats they would get. And I just have so much empathy for that. And I can't, it's hard for me to understand how people can't extend that empathy and understand how you would want to do anything or whatever you need to do to keep your family safe. Yeah. Especially your, your little tiny human. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think. Yeah. So that's why I'm just saying, I agree with you that it's not, it's not necessarily a quote unquote lesser thing, you know, because a, because it could have been just, it could have been and could still be just as serious as the most serious consequences we've ever yeah. seen. But also, unless we acknowledge all the hurt that racism causes in big and little ways, I feel like we're never going to solve the big issues or the small mm-hmm. ones. That makes sense? I don't, feel, I don't feel like I'm being super articulate. No, that 100%, 100% makes sense to me. I'm not a royalist and I'm not an expert uh, certainly on the racism that Megan would have experienced by any means but you know when something's right and when something's wrong and when people are just being nasty Mm. and mean about somebody they don't know yeah that's when I'm like come on just no stop it's just not necessary and that's Piers Morgan again like not (laughs) haven't watched a lot of him but he, 
he does seem to be, he does seem to have a mean streak, not just about Meghan Markle, but about other people. You know, like how he, he was kind of a goodie to the left um, over the last couple of months because he you know, held the politicians to account on, on some of the, the horrible handling of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a clip of how he interviewed that um, I can't recall her name right now, but she was, um, you know, one of the one of the ministers, and um, was she a minister? Anyway, one of the MPs, and you know, it was it was kind of mean. Yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of interrupting, a lot of talking over, a lot of behavior that would never be tolerated in a woman. And um, yeah, I just if this year has taught us anything, surely it's that we can extend a lot more grace and compassion. To everyone. Yeah. Because hasn't it been a shitty year for every single person? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I also think about this book. I've mentioned a, a couple of times on the podcast, but I just can't stop thinking about it in this context. And I don't just like it because my name's in the title. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's called Cassandra Speaks. When women are the storytellers, the human story changes. And Essentially, the author talks about the stories Mm -hmm. like Adam and Eve, like Pandora, Mm -hmm. all the stories that are in our mythology and our culture that we have learned and that have influenced the way we see ourselves and the way we see other people in the world without us even knowing it. And I think that's, I think it was probably reading that book Mm -hmm. that has made me just keep thinking of this Adam and Eve story when I hear the commentary about them. And I think you guys are just replaying this over and over and over again, you know, because it's the character of this temptress, this evil temptress. Yeah. And this, you know, man who just doesn't know any better. That's the prism through which we've, we've learned to see the world and see people in it. And it's so reductionist. Yeah. And, um, and I just, we need to do 100%. better. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, thank you for taking this deep dive <laughs> into royal drama <laughs> with me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we need to take space to to think about these yeah. things instead of just reacting to, yeah. to what we hear. Rachel, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to see your comedy, where do they go? At Amazebury on the socials. That's A M A. Z-E-B-U-R-Y. That's the best handle. (laughs) Thank you. That's like the very best handle in the entire world. Thank you. If you've enjoyed the series so far, please do subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you're listening right now. It really does help us reach incredible women to introduce you to on the show. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you here again next week. Like anybody, I would like to live.